Hi there, and welcome back to The Fuse Show. Today, I'm joined by James Wagoner. Uh, he is the CEO and co-founder of Jewelcase, a startup aiming to make advanced power systems simple. He built his first battery startup out of college, and that resulted in a $1.2 billion contract with Spain. But unfortunately, that had to be canceled due to the austerity from the financial crisis. Outside of work, James enjoys attending music festivals, long-distance cycling, backpacking, and skiing uh, when he's not building battery systems. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. So power-based companies are something that most people don't really think about when they think about startups. Most people think about the domain of like software just because it's easy to scale. But what made you go down the route of hardware-based uh, entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, I've always kind of been a hardware guy. So uh, mechanical engineering uh, degree, uh, undergrad. And uh, I like to kind of see, touch, and feel things. Uh, and... And the problems that I see, you know, the significant problems that I want to solve require a solution that is not software based. You know, there's some certainly going to be some software elements to it, but, um, you know, whether I mean, it's just the electrification of energy, the, the transition away from fossil fuels is, is, you know, can't be solved with just software. And how did you go from so wanting to build a startup right after college is a relatively soon gap. Like, how did you close that gap? From, hey, I just studied engineering in class in like a theoretical setting to like, I want to start my own company. You know, all credit and kudos goes to uh, my co-founder, Alex, uh, on that. So we met freshman year of college and, um, and he has a true entrepreneur mind, a true kind of uh, visionary state. Um, and, and, you know, we have a terrific partnership in the sense that, you know, he's, he's imagining the future 10 years down the road. And then I'm the guy that, you know, what, you know, executes around what that means for today, tomorrow, you know, next week. Uh, and, and then, so, uh, you know, he's talking to me about some stuff just kind of up in the air, um, you know, kind of in college coming right out of college. And, um, you know, I have a personality where it's like, you know, okay, like you're saying all these things, don't waste your breath. Let's go do it. Uh, you know, let's go, let's go get it done. And, and then, so, um, you know, kind of mixing my kind of, you know, determination to just get things done with his, uh, you know, determination of actually really imagining that future or, or, um, you know, being thoughtful about what, what the, is the best solution, uh, meant that, uh, you know, we kind of went down that path and, and, um, you know, kudos to him in terms of really being in it, uh, being able to really communicate that message. Uh, and then I, you know, especially with that first startup, it was really him. And then I'm on the sidelines kind of, um, you know, along for the ride, but, uh, you know, to your point, David, I, um, I was much more kind of career focused or just kind of company, um, you know, you work for a big company focused You're, you know, when you're 22 years old, but you're also 22 years old and you don't know anything and, and you think you can just go and build something. So, you know, despite being, you know, you know, having that youth and that optimism means that you can do some things that, that maybe when you are 40, you're not even going to attempt. Um, and then, so that's why you, you know, that value of a young founder, um, you know, they, they're a lot more flexible. They're a lot more hardworking, right? They're not experienced. Uh, but, uh, you know, what they can kind of imagine is uh, much more significant, um, you know, back then than, than what I would do right now. So you mentioned your co-founder having this 10-year vision. Do you have a 10-year vision for Jewel as of now? Oh, yeah. Um, and, 
and it's something that that is very exciting. Uh, so, uh, you know, Jewelcase is building that product platform, you know, the standard architecture to be the Lego blocks mm-hmm. of power for all of your emergency temporary portable backup power. Right, having one form factor to solve for a tailgate, uh, a camping trip, your home backup, a food truck, wherever you're going to need that backup power, a portable or temporary power application. So uh, as you know, that solution right now, all of our energy is based on fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know we can't do that, um, you know, much, well, we can't, we really need to stop right now, admittedly, right? I'm in Seattle uh, and, uh, you know, we just had a 110 degree day, right? So um, we need to stop that immediately. But um, when you transition away from that, you know, you, you have an opportunity to establish the standard or the form factor. So, you know, I like to reference this journey that, that society is experiencing and have an historical reference to what happened, you know, in the, in the, the early 1900s, right? The horseless carriage. And, um, you know, the standardization of fossil fuel energy was quite a journey. But what we've landed on is, you know, you have your 85 87, 91 octane gasoline, you got diesel, whatever, but that's not necessarily what started, what, what was the start. And if you were to drive your horseless carriage uh, 30 miles down the road, the likelihood of them having the actual energy form factor that you needed back in the day was pretty rare. Hmm. Um, so now as we transition away from fossil fuels, you know, let's build the form factor, the product platform that solves for all of these. So you can use this across multiple different applications, it's got uh, multiple different value propositions. So, you know, there's a jewel case in every home and for every portable temporary power application. And the uses are varied and they're increasing, right? Our dependence upon technology and, you know, what a tailgate or a campsite looks like now uh, in 2021 versus 1990, uh, right? And, and that's just gonna become greater as more and more technology gets integrated into our lives. So the need for jewel case is just gonna increase and let's build something that doesn't just solve for one discrete problem. Let's build something that solves for all of your problems. Hmm. And when you, was this your MV, was the current iteration of the product, the MVP, or did you have previous existing versions that led to the current iteration that consumers can access? So the current product that's selling on our website today is our fifth version of this product. And that in true fifth version that's been built, built sold to customers and incorporated that feedback back into our product. And we're, hmm working on our sixth version now as well uh, that we'll be launching shortly. But um, uh, yeah, we've been at this for a while, right? Alex and I have been working on Jewel Case since 2015. Um, and and just, uh, you know, uh, it's terrific to talk to customers and really get out there face-to-face and really understand what it means to have something that solves for all of these different use cases. And you can't just, you know, be focused on one. You have to you know, imagine what that looks like. If you're trying to build out this vision that I'm describing, then, you know, that means you have to, you know, understand what it, what that means to power a food truck versus a campsite. And there's a lot of differences uh, when you compare those two, for example. So 2015 and now is called roughly six years and effectively you're on your sixth revision or soon to release your sixth revision. So is it averaging close effectively once per year? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's kind of been once per year. Um, and, and that's, and then it's not that, you know, it's, we've been fortunate to have customers that have been coming alongside on the, on us with this journey. So, um, you know, that's, that's also been really great. Hmm. 
So I, I think one of the things that a lot of people like about the startup world is that like you can get customer feedback today, implement features tomorrow. How, how long or what's the fastest in the world of physical equipment you can close that like communication loop? Um, that is incredibly challenging. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it can be it can be as long as three years mm -hmm. and it can be as short as a couple months. Um, and, and there's some tricks, there's some hacks that you can do to make that possible. Um, it also, you know, uh, we've been very scrappy in the sense of how we actually continue to build our product and uh, understanding that, that, that we're not landed on anything yet, right? Like we're, we're building an MVP and then iterating on that. But it also means that uh, we're not trying to invest in the capital for production tooling. Um, and, and then, so you, you build some stuff, you get it out there, um, you sell it, right. It's sold. And then you get that feedback and allows you to iterate. Now, if you're trying to, to move, um, you know, 10,000 units and then getting that feedback, that's going to be much more expensive and that's going to be a much longer process. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I would say, you know, the, the lessons learned that, that we just learned because we're dealing with immediate problems of, of how to evolve the product with, you know, the, the constraints that we have, you know, whatever it is, right. And multiple different types of constraints um, has meant that, that we have been very scrappy and innovative and, and taken hardware and, and made it so that uh, we, you know, we've been able to advance the product substantially um, since when we first started. So have you worked with manufacturing and I guess distribution lines prior to the startup or is this relatively new to you? So we worked with manufacturing, distribution, engineering um, in R2EV, uh, right? So our first startup uh, right after college. And then, and then also both Alex and I worked at, on it kind of in between in our professional careers. So a couple of different companies for Alex. Um, and then for me, um, you know, primarily Fluke uh, Electronics is what, um, you know, my, my most mm -hmm. recent experience was there. So, um, you know, there's, there's, we're referencing, you know, a lot of experience with that, but, um, you know, you also, uh, you know, that, that whole marketplace will, or that dynamic will change, um, you know, and, you know, if, for example, the tariffs, right, the, that were imposed uh, by the previous administration and, and how, how much that changed the dynamic across the board, uh, and that still has lasting effects, for example. So how did you, so I guess as college grads, how do you figure out like, hey, I have these specs. Now I need someone to manufacture it. Like that, that's, a, that's like quite a wide jump from having a spec sheet to a physical product. Can you walk us through some of the steps you had to go through? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, do you, you know, how long do I have, right? Uh, but, how much do you want? <laughs> you know, it, it is a, it is many, many conversations. Um, it is a factor. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that, uh, that we kept asking ourselves as you go down this path, uh, that I think a lot of, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs not necessarily do is, is that you're at a point where you have the, the, the industrial design, everything's mocked up, uh, right. And, and maybe you've done the internal engineering, or maybe you've hired, you know, um, you know, some firm. 
Um, and then you say, okay, well, the next step is now I got to go build this. And now I have to go spend this capital outlay. And uh, that's, that's not the path that Alex and I chose. We, hmm. we uh, kept pushing back and saying, well, you know, this is still not what we want it to be. This is still not what we want it to be and keep asking questions and keep kind of, you know, delaying that and thinking about it and grinding on it, right. And process and saying, okay, what do we do? And then also, you know, what can we do as a stair-step approach, right? So what can we do to baby step this and maybe bite off one little area that we're very confident that, that we have landed very firmly on? And then here's this other area that, um, you know, not that we have an answer for, but there's a feeling that it could get better, right? But so as you kind of, you do that, uh, you know, we, like I said, don't invest in the tooling that we haven't, uh, have a modular approach. Now, all of that takes longer, um, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say this is the, I mean, this is not the fastest way to go about it, but, but now, uh, six years later, we, you know, we are very in tune with our customers. We're very in tune with, you know, what the product actually means. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's exciting for right now. Uh, but when you're in the throes of it, it's, you know, it, it, it's not exciting and it kind of depends on what you have, right. At, at the point that, you know, um, you know, someone throws, you know, a couple million at you for a seed round, they're not going to let you bootstrap the way that Jewelcase did for the many years that we did. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through the journey of acquiring your initial batch of customers? Uh, <laughs> so, so we um, launched a, um, an Indiegogo campaign in 2015. So uh, it's propping up a video. Um, it was, you know, you know, doing all of that internal marketing work around that. Now at this point in time, um, it's just Alex and I, and it's, you know, it's self-funded bootstrap. Um, we didn't feel confident in, um, you know, working with any of these marketing firms that that wanted money up front, and and just, you know, there's a lot of, you know, across along the startup journey, there's many, many sharks across, you know, many different ways, right? So uh, there's none of these marketing companies that we thought were someone that we could trust and, and spend the, you know, the time, a, a fortune, a, a fortune amount of money for jewel case at the time. Um, and, and then so uh, we launched ourselves, did all of the work, launched our own website, did all of our work there as well. Um, that uh, without any type of marketing budget, it didn't, you know, didn't work out. But uh, then we were found by the Discovery Channel in a show called All American Makers. Hmm. And that was uh, incredibly uh, exciting for us because then we could, we actually got on TV. Uh, we were able to demonstrate our product on this show. And, and coming out of that show, there were a lot of phone calls. And so they uh, we found our- you, how? Um, you know, it's a casting, uh, director that is trying to find, you know, companies, you know, it's a show called all American makers, but it's companies in America that are building something. Hmm. And so they found us based on this, uh, crowdfunding campaign oh. and, um, and then they, you know, reached out to us and, and actually, uh, we didn't, we thought it was a scam, right? We didn't believe them that they actually were <laughs> they're like, Hey, you know, we're part of this, we're, all, we're part of the discovery channel. And yeah, of course, this is going to work out. And, you know, we're going to fly you to Brooklyn. And, um, you know, just make sure you're all ready. And we get on these phone calls and be like, okay, well, where's our plane tickets? Like, like you say, you're going to fly us to Brooklyn. Where's our plane tickets? Um, you know, where's our hotel? And they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, and it's like, okay, well, 
you know, uh, this would be exciting, but we're not going to, you know, uh, this seems like a scam. Uh, we're not going to build out our product unless we know that we're actually going to go there. Um, and then about a week right before our scheduled date, uh, they're like, oh, here's your plane tickets. Now, now just get on the plane a week from now, right? And then we had to uh, scramble to actually build what we said that we had on the phone, um, you know, because we didn't believe them. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and then so, you know, that was a whole nother journey in terms of, um, you know, flying on the plane with uh, all of these power electronics and battery systems. <laughs> um, and Did you have pilots from the airport security? Yeah. And then we, <laughs> and then Alex, yeah. Well, I mean, we ran in, you know, this is, and TSA, we had some run-ins with them and, and some of our tools and, and battery systems. And, and, but then we finally get there and, and we have enough, we have to get to some other tools that were lost that were abandoned to the TSA and that kind of stuff. And then, and then it was putting it all together um, in our hotel room uh, that night. And, and so we ended up landing, you know, it was a kind of a late night flight. We get to the hotel room at like two in the morning and at eight in the morning, they, they wanted to pick us up. And, and so at that time we had to then, you know, do the full integration because you had to tear it apart to kind of fly with it. And, uh, and then putting it there, launching it on, on the TV show. And uh, in side note, I, you know, if, if anyone ever watches that, that show, uh, it's, it's All American Makers. It's, it's titled Catch Me If You Can. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, you know, it's 30 minutes and there's like four different startup companies. But um, uh, I am terrible at uh, reality TV show is what I found. <laughs> During the show, looking to the left of me and seeing this guy that had this really corny smile and just, and just, you know, it's not a smile that you would have in normal real life. Right. But then watch the show and you like, see my, like, you know, I have like, you know, RBF the whole time, you know, just staring down the camera, looking, looking really intimidating. And, uh, and this guy looks really friendly. Right. And so, you know, lesson learned about that, but, uh, you're going to see, uh, Alex and I um, <laughs> having quite the the adventure uh, on that show, but but coming out of the show, we um, you know people watched it and and we found an initial market which was trade show and exhibit halls, and then so you know long story short is is uh, that show really kind of was the launch of Jewel Case and allowed us to find these customers that allowed us to kind of iterate this as I described. Hmm. So you. Um... So after being on the show, they got you the visibility you wanted, and then people started investing into your crowdfunding campaign. Is that right? Well, so at that point, the the crowdfunding campaign's been closed, and we actually we we hit some. Well, we we set a high target that we didn't meet, and okay. you know we were fortunate that it didn't that it didn't launch because I've also seen that where you know a startup you um, you have maybe a low goal or something like that and then now you're obligated to have with these uh, customers and it just doesn't work out right and, and it becomes incredibly uh, difficult so uh, we found these these business customers um, that reached out and wanted mm -hmm. to buy it just for their their own processes and and they're used to um, you know paying a little bit upfront or you know purchase orders inventory you know uh, invoicing you know and, and there's a float to that and everything like that and then so uh, these customers allowed us to get money up front uh, build the product and then deliver this on the back end uh, mm. which which was tremendous for us you know and and not that jewel case is trying to become a you know a b2b product uh, right it's really designed to be you know a product for everyone all consumers all businesses uh, but, um, you know, for kind of the first, um, you know, four 
evolutions of the product were kind of allowed us to iterate this, evolve this based on these initial customers of trade shows. And how many of these customers did you have to talk to to find out what plan or what, I guess, MVP would suit multiple users and not just that specific business? Well, um, you know, it was building MVPs that are, well, on plural, I, but building our MVP really solved for one niche application when we wanted to build something greater. Hmm. Um, so as we kept this conversation, um, oh, and I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, it, uh, it solved for an initial, hey, here's this customer, here's an exhibit, but then realizing that it's not going to solve for these other customers. And, and then, yeah, you could build a company around this focused little area and like, oh, this is what we can do. Um, but we didn't think that that was going to be near, nearly exciting. Uh, that wasn't going to be, you know, that's going to be a business that gets quickly replaced as a hardware company. That's going to be very quickly, you know, race to the bottom. You know, there's no way that, mm. uh, that, um, you know, a, an American hardware company is going to win in something like that. Right. So, so you have to rise above that and you have to, you know, really imagine something that is incredibly difficult. Um, and as an, a very, you know, expansive vision you know, for us, at least that allowed us then to, you know, the reason why I took so many of these different uh, versions is that realizing, okay, now this one solves for both this and this and this, Oh, there's another one. There's another customer over here. We need to solve for that. So now here comes the third version, right now, here comes the fourth version. Um, and that kind of stuff. So can you, can you um, elaborate on those differences between the versions in terms of what was added and what was removed? Um, so each one's got a little bit of a different look, touch, feel, industrial design. Uh, the connection hardware has evolved and now we've landed on that connection hardware and it's pretty set in stone in terms of having this architecture. Uh, but uh, there was a design around that, um, you know, the latching, the ability to make it so that it it's a very intuitive, you know, stackability. Right? So as a customer, we don't have to describe that it's the Lego blocks of power. Uh, it's going to be the battery chemistry. So, um, you know, we, we use multiple different types of, of chemistry from filled out acid, uh, you know, nickel metal hydride, lithium ion, NMC, uh, to um, lithium ion phosphate as well. So there's a lot of different battery chemistries. There's different power outputs. Um, so an inverter, uh, and there's, in, there's different power types. So pure sine wave versus modified sine wave, uh, 600 watts, 1200 watts, hmm. you know, 5,000 watts of power. Um, it's the user interface. So what that customer is actually going to see in terms of what they need to see in terms of, you know, maybe do they want to see power, do they want to see energy, what, what's important for them as they view this, um, you know, it's, you know, the list goes on, but those are a couple examples. Hmm. And are you the one responsible for all of these engineering changes? That is all on Alex now. Oh, wow. um, and that's been interesting. Um, yeah, so so I'm the I'm the guy with the the PE, the professional engineering stamp. Uh, it's mechanical, of course, right? But um, uh, you know, I like to say I have uh, some pretty good engineering chops, but um, I don't do any of the engineering anymore. So as the CEO of the company, uh, I you know, I deal with investors. Uh, I'm imagining kind of the bigger picture, uh, managing the team, you know, building the company culture, uh, you know, the hiring, the firing, uh, you know, all of these like kind of big picture uh, things. And then Alex can kind of, 
um, you know, he dives into the product and he lives, breathes, imagines this future. And then, you know, we've been very fortunate to hire uh, Dave DeMuro. And Dave comes to us from Apple. So he's 10 years at Apple being the, their, you know, the battery engineer, right? The product manager, the battery engineer that uh, designs all of the power systems from the Apple Watch, iPad, MacBook, hmm. uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, he's got almost 20 patents to his name around kind of this consumer power side of it. Um, and, um, and now he can be that, you know, that really true engineer, um, you know, uh, and, you know, so he's the vice president of engineering right now, but then he manages the whole engineering team as they continue to build towards what Alex is, you know, Alex is kind of leading it on a, you know, the high level uh, visionary sense. And then there's a translating that and then executing that. And how did you uh, happen to uh, come across, did you, have, did you have former connections to the dude or did you hire him? Like, how, how did you attract him to join your company? Like, what do you think made it a sweet deal for him? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's having him get on board with the vision of what we're trying to build, right? It's having him understand how exciting and how massive an idea this is. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's not just leaving Apple for, you know, anyone, but now he's leaving it for uh, a startup and being, you know, um, an employee where there's less than 10 of us now, right? There's less than 10 of us right now. Um, and so he's, he's one of the founding employees and, and uh, it's a sweet, you know, it's a terrific fit for him in terms of his skill set and what he's all learned. And, um, and, you know, now he can kind of dabble in the startup journey or the startup adventure that, that uh, you know, he's been, you know, with Apple and then Texas Instruments before that. So, you know, much more of these large, stodgy corporations. Um, and now it's a very fast, nimble, you know, you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Earlier, you mentioned that culture is in your domain of responsibility. Like, how would you describe your culture today and where do you want it to go? You know, I, I think that culture is incredibly important. Um, and, and I try to uh, think about that as much as I can. Uh, and, you know, in the whirlwind and the urgency, sometimes you lose sight of that important thing, right? But I would say the culture at, at Jewel Case is you know, every person will have an impact on that culture, whether you intend it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and then so as we hire more people, you know, it's understanding that that, that person is going to have an impact on that culture. And, um, and I will point to something and, and I will model this. And then it will also have impressions from Alex and from, you know, Pete, our chief operating officer or from anyone else. Um, but I would, you know, I want it to be uh, very thoughtful. I want it to be very professional. Um, you know, I want it to be a team environment. Um, and, and I want it to, you know, um, you know, have the expectation that we never let that customer down. Right. And then also to be very in tune with them. So, uh, understanding that, you know, your ear is to the ground and you're constantly touching base with that customer. You're not, you're not just building something out there in the vacuum, but you know, what's that customer telling you? Uh, but then you're being very professional about it and in professional in terms of what's being communicated, delivering on timelines, delivering on expectations, and that's across the board. And I need to do that as a CEO in terms of I say, um, you know, this is, this is what we're going to do as a team. That's credibility for me. And, and that needs to kind of go down the line as we, as we uh, talk with the entire team. You mentioned earlier that you're a team of sub 10, is that right? Yes. 
what was the order of the first few hires and do, would you do it the same way if you were to do it over again? I mean, absolutely. I would do it differently. Um, <laughs> you know, so of course, I, I don't think anyone, you know, I don't know if you could ever say that otherwise, but um, you know, there's, uh, there's a, you know, I, I'd say a couple things. Uh, first is that um, along a startup journey, there's different people that have different strengths or skill sets for different stages. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, there's some people that we had on the team that, uh, you know, as you continue to grow and evolve, they not, may not have the, you know, the, you know, another way to phrase this is that the company is going to change a lot quicker than a person potentially right. can change, right? So it's, it's a different dynamic as if you're working for Apple, you know, you as a person are going to change way faster than what Apple is going to change, even as a technology, even as Apple, right? But if you're working for General Electric, Wells Fargo, right? Like uh, that's a very slow moving organization. Uh, startup, you can't keep up with it as a person. And so you have to commit to understand that you are going to be constantly changed and evolved. And if you don't, then then jewel case has grown beyond you. And that's fine too, right? And and not to say this is, you know, pejorative, good, bad, or different, but, um, you know, if, if this is a great spot for you right now, that's great. But that's all it means is it's a great spot for you right now. And tomorrow it could be very different because, uh, you know, uh, that call that I just had right before this suddenly changes your whole company and your company dynamic. Um, so, you know, as we got going, um, there were a lot of people that joined the team that joined you know, because they shared that enthusiasm and that passion mm. uh, and that excitement, right? And, and then as you, as you keep going, um, you know, uh, it is making sure that each new hire really raises the bar. And then so as we bring in another person, that person can't just be another person to check the box. That person needs to raise that, that knowledge, domain expertise, the professionalism, the deliverables, you know, all of this, otherwise uh, they, they haven't done their job and you're not growing the organization. You're, you're being stagnant and like, oh, we just hired another person because, you know, this person's just like this, you know, this other, you know, this other person. So, um, you know, it's important to understand that, you know, and, and there's a balance because I think there's been a couple of times that we've hired people that we knew that we we're going to need down the road, but it was, you know, you want to hire for, you know, a couple of years out. Um, but I think there's also a couple of times that we hired uh, faster than what we should, you know, that hmm, they were, hmm. they're way, they're far more um, qualified than what we really need at the time. And you can see down the picture, but that doesn't change what that actually means for today, right? So you have to, you know, slowly build up there. But, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate. I feel incredibly fortunate to have the team that we have. Um, and, um, you know, I want to continue to hire people that are smarter, more talented than I am. And you mentioned earlier that hiring is something you also focus on. How do you find, like, what is your strategy to hiring the, the best, especially when you're that incredibly critical stage of your company's life cycle? So um, always be hiring, always be talking to people, um, always be thinking about what the next, you know, five hires are. Um, and, and then see what's out there and then, you know, leverage your resources around that. Right. So, um, you know, I think startups, you know, at least for jewel case, you know, we have a lot of raving fans and, you know, supporters, right. So, 
Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of inbound customers that get sent our way from, uh, from a raving fan, from an investor, from, um, you know, a friend that just loves to see the journey. Um, also, um, employee candidates as well. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, the vast majority, it, it's not the right fit. It's just not the right timing or whatever. But, uh, you know, some of these people like Pete or Dave um, have been tremendous. That's really cool. In terms of, um, I guess, taking a step back, like what would you say is your, what is the, do you have a like root value as a person, like, I guess, independent of the company that drives you to, to be where you are today? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, I want to, like, I'm very much kind of an, uh, you know, I, I want to execute, I want to, you know, build stuff and I just want it to go. And then, so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not an imaginative person in the sense that Alex is, Alex is an incredibly creative, imaginative person that, you know, can take, uh, you know, very, you know, these varied problems that are complex and distill them down and come up with a very simple, elegant solution, which is, you know, tremendous. Uh, but, you know, I will, there, if there's a conversation and someone says, you know, okay, let's go do that. You know, it, it, it now becomes like set in stone for me. And, and now you got to go execute around it. Right. So, um, you know, if there isn't a sense of, you know, pride, there isn't a sense of, of, um, of trying to, you know, be the smartest person in the room. The only thing that I really care about is, is doing what I've set out to do. And, and then, so being, you know, do I want to set out to build jewel case? And I made the decision many years ago that I did. And, um, and then be, you know, I'm very determined to make that um, happen. Right. And then, so uh, it, it's not about me, right. It's not about Alex. It's about building this company. And um, I think that, you know, if you don't have hubris about, you know, that it's gotta be you or anything like that, but that you just, you know, you want to work together as a bigger team. That means you can build a better team. That also means, mm. um, that you can, you know, maybe proceed when someone else gets hung up on some sort of, you know, minor slight, you know, something like that. So, um, you know, I will, I have a, a good amount of patience. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I have pretty thick skin and I want to just, you know, more than anything, uh, build out jewel case. Are the traits that you listed something that you have been inherent, have been inherent in you as a person uh, from, I guess, as long as you can remember, or are they things that you intentionally built up over the years? I think what I just described there are very intentional. Uh, I'm sorry, inherent, inherent to uh, who I am. Um, that's always kind of been there for me. Uh, there, you certainly learn, you know, in the startup journey, uh, probably more than anything, you learn about yourself um, first and foremost, right? So just you realize uh, what kind of person you are as you go into the fire, into the you know a startup world, understanding you know what what you're capable of or maybe what you're not. Um, and, and, and so, you know, something that I have become more and more comfortable with is that is the uncertainty of a startup. So just, um, uh, you know, um, coming from a, you know, my parents both work for, you know, the department of energy at a national lab, right? So they're both, uh, engineers, you know, uh, full careers in government service, just building, you know, doing research around, you know, so 
you know, there's a lot of certainty and there's a lot of, you know, nothing's very dynamic. And, and then, so I, I had a background of, of needing to things to have things very be, you know, set in stone to be it. So it's permanent. And, and I have now become very comfortable with not real, like just letting you, letting the company just go where it needs to go. And, and, you know, maybe you don't know, um, you know, how you're going to get the funding round closed. Cause you don't know how you're going to meet your sales projections because you're setting them out and you don't know. Um, and, and I'm getting more and more comfortable with that. Is that something you feel like you get comfortable because you're in that position? Or do you feel like there's certain advice um, early stage entrepreneurs or soon to be entrepreneurs can go through to prepare themselves before the edit time? I think, I think you need to be going through it. Um, but I think that you have to uh, understand what you're going to be thrown into. Um, and, and I, you know, before I quit my corporate job, you know, I had many sleepless nights just kind of thinking about like what this would really mean. Um, and suddenly not having that paycheck, right. Not having, you know, the benefits and thinking through what this all meant and, and then thinking why I wanted to do it, uh, thinking about what would be the, you know, what's kind of the no-go, no, you know, go, no-go, right? So mm -hmm. what milestones, and maybe I'm not hitting it, do I just say, okay, well, you know, I tried it and, and that didn't work and now I'm going to go find another job again, right? Um, and and uh, that was incredibly uncomfortable, right? So you just have to understand that that's going to be incredibly uncomfortable. And, and if you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, then, then you can go along this journey. Uh, but but if you can't or you can't change, then then it's going to be incredibly difficult to, to be a startup founder. Do you have any advice that you would give to a past version of yourself if they were receptive to advice? Uh, a lot of advice. Yeah. Um, you know, what would, I mean, so much. Uh, I... I think, you know, if I were to kind of distill that down to maybe, you know, one, you know, one comment or just, you know, one, mm, you know, I, I would say, um, yeah, you know, that's, you know, and, and I, I think I've had different answers to that question throughout the years. Okay. Um, you know, I think right now, uh, you know, what I would say is, is maybe, um, you know, and it's funny because I, I talk about laying this foundation and this foundation that's been six years, right? But even then, I think that there's been a couple of times that we've really, you know, ramped up. So, so I, I, th I think actually, uh, the, the advice that I would, would, I, I would share with is patience. Um, and there's been sometimes that I, I, we have been patient and it's been really rewarding. And sometimes, you know, uh, I haven't demonstrated patience in terms of the timeline or what it takes to, to deliver to a customer and just understanding that, you know, be patient about that. Uh, and in a startup, you know, everything is going to take far longer and it's going to cost way more than you imagine. Um, and, and having, you know, understanding that I understand that now, but, uh, you know, if you're in the throes of it and, and you've now, you know, committed yourself to this and, and it's not delivering the results that you thought, you know, in some sort of, 
you know, arbitrary sense, because I'm being completely arbitrary in my milestones, uh, but I've set these arbitrary milestones and now I'm not hitting them because it always takes longer. You know, that patience is very key and having patience for yourself, patience in terms of customer development, product development, uh, you got to do everything you can. So there's a balance there, but, uh, um, you know, uh, every company, every startup that I know, uh, it always takes a little far longer than, than what's originally planned. So you mentioned how the answer to that question changed over the years. Is it, is, uh, what are some of the previous variants or what are the previous answers in previous years and what makes you feel like the answer changed? Um, cause you deal with immediate stuff right then. Right. So, um, it is, it is a, you know, so for example, um, and it's, and maybe it's a slight, just, uh, difference, not a significant difference, but the slight difference is just, you know, um, a, Hey, you got this right. Like, Hey, go and get it done. You know, have, having the confidence in your abilities. Um, you know, there's a balance between um, the, the strategic conversations that you can have with investors or with a strategic partner. And you can have too many of them, you can have too little. But if you are having one, you know, uh, be focused on that and deliver that as well. You know, th that's kind of some, some past experience I'd have where, you know, um, if you're trying to discount you know, an exciting conversation because you're like, okay, that's great. They show promise, but, um, you know, I, like I need five other, the five other conversations going on just so that the pipeline delivers one, right. That kind of thing as well. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to need to have so many of these, um, strategic customers or investors in the pipeline. Uh, but I think there's such a thing as having too many of them as well. Hmm. And earlier you're mentioning different things that you value as a leader within yourself, but if you were to drive, I guess, describe characteristics, traits, beliefs, independent of yourself, what would you say makes for a good leader? I, I think the biggest uh, attribute is, is that ability to be that servant leader. Um, so, uh, I think in being a leader, it's not about you ever. It's about what you're trying to lead and what you're trying to build. And, and I just, when I, when I stumble across a leader, that's not a servant, servant leader, and you know, all of these, there's many different styles and, you know, you can certainly go about it a lot of different ways, but, um, I get, I get incredibly turned off if someone mm -hmm. is, you know, selfish about their leadership or selfish about what they're trying to do. Um, and, and I won't follow them. Um, and, and in terms of people that I want to work with, you know, I'm, I'm emulating this servant leadership, uh, and, and it's being reflected in the company as a whole as well. Right. And so, you know, at any point in time that, that, that there's a leader that is not in line with the company values, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the most important roles is me as a CEO long-term, right. I mean, at less than 10 people, it's not like I need to really think about this right now, but. Um, I need to, I need to, you know, ax out that cancer as quickly as possible. And that's something that, that I view is that one of the most important things that I can do as a CEO is to protect that culture. Gotcha. And then also aim that trajectory, right? Be that visionary and describe where we're going to go as a company. Those are the two big things as a CEO. Okay. 
Well, I've been uh, very grateful for this past hour. I just want to uh, close out our call on just one final question I'd like to ask all of our guests. If uh, for all of our guests who may be interested in reaching out or following along in your journey, what's the best way they can do so? Yeah, thank you. I uh, would love to be in touch. Um, you know, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can follow Jewel Case itself as well, right on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, and you can kind of see what we're doing. Uh, we're very excited to have events coming back. Uh, and uh, there's some very large, you know, exci exciting announcements that are coming out here shortly in terms of us replacing the dirty generators for events. Uh, but uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, message me. Uh, and I and I would love to connect with uh, fellow uh, startup founders. That's I mean, uh, that's how I really learn and benchmark. And I I'm only here because of other uh, startup uh, entrepreneurs that gave their time to answer my questions. And and I want to do the same. It's great to hear. And we'll definitely have all those links as well as a link to the YouTube video you were talking about earlier in the landing page. Thanks again. Terrific. Thank you.